drive a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. You know, Nicola lives for those moments, and, um, you know, it's, it's great and joyful to watch a player of his talent go out there and make the plays that he makes, along with Aaron Gordon, who was great tonight, and um, Jamal Murray, Peyton Watson off the bench. Like, this was a, a character win, and it was everybody contributing. Michael Malone talking to the press after the game last night in Golden State. The Nuggets win 130 to 127 on a Nikola Jokic buzzer beater. The Nuggets were down 18 points, finished the game on a 24 to 5 run. And the best player on earth does his thing, finishes with 34 points, nine rebounds, 10 assists. And of course, the uh, phenomenal shot from almost the same spot in which he burned Anthony Davis. In the playoffs, mm-hmm. and Davis just sort of put his hand up. It's like, what am I supposed to do about this with, with the high-arcing three? Uh, get this, though, for Nikola Jokic. In the last four games, Nikola Jokic from the field. Uh, I, you know, I'm speaking it, so I can't say it's a typo. Uh, and I don't know what the, what's the, what, is there a word for verbal typo? Help me out, y'all, with the 303-831-3340. This is not an embellishment. Yeah, yeah, what you are hearing is accurate. In the last four games. Nikola Jokic has shot 88.6% from the field. Yeah. 39 for 44 in the last four games. That is essentially superhuman. And it's the highest field goal percentage in a four-game span in the NBA since Wilt Chamberlain did it in 1967. And I will say this. I'm not going to take anything away from Wilt Chamberlain. They weren't shooting threes. Oh, no. Nicole Yoko shoot no, threes. No. no. And, and he doesn't shoot a ton of them, but he does shoot threes. And the game winner, of course, was a three. 11 for 11, 9 for 10, 6 for 7, and 13 for 16. That's insane. It's over the last four games. And you take a look at Jokic over the last 13 games since he shot 9 for 32 and 9 for 26 on back-to-back nights. Right. So the last 13 games, the Nuggets have won 11 of the 13. Mm-hmm. Field goals, 106 of 163, 65%. Threes, 11 of 21, 52.4%. Free throws, 62 of 68. That's better than 91% from the line. 90% shooter as as basically a seven-footer. Incredible. Incredible. And went 38 hard minutes last night. Uh, Nobody else on the floor went 38 or even particularly close to 38. Uh, Gordon had his first 30-point game of the season yep. and was tremendous oh, was. playing off Jokic in yep. large part, but also had nine rebounds, two assists, a block shot. It was plus six, Jokic plus four. Uh, Gordon over 35 minutes. Uh, Porter got on my nerves last night and was benched and quite mm-hmm. uh, clearly... Yeah. Uh, felt the wrath of Michael Malone after he dogged it, and there's no other way to put no, it. No, he did. Uh, in transition defense. And, and he hasn't done that much this year. If it, You remember who beat him on transition defense uh, and dunked? No. Wait. No. Refresh the man who, according to sources today, has had it in San Francisco with a head coach. Mm. Jonathan, Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga. 
who was moments later taken out of the game, never, never to return. return in one of the, and I think Steve Kerr is a wonderful coach. I don't know what has happened to him in the last couple of years. Not all crotchety and grumpy. Steve Kerr is coaching like Michael Malone did two years ago, and Michael Malone is coaching like Steve Kerr coached two years hmm. ago. That's an interesting Nuggets, observation. As a okay. result, and Jokic has a lot to do with this, the Nuggets are playing like the Golden State Warriors during their salad days. Yeah. And the Warriors are playing like the Nuggets played during that same period of time a team without an identity. And I want to read this because it is so well-written and it was as good a piece as I've read this year uh, in terms of analysis by Marcus Thompson of the athletic who follows the Warriors on a regular basis. Boy, I think the Warriors have three guys covering them from the athletic. The nuggets have yeah. zero and the avalanche have zero now with Peter ball leaving. But anyway, here's what he wrote. The Nuggets are an ideal mirror for Golden State, a measuring stick of, that word again, yep. legitimacy. Mm-hmm. The Warriors don't feel that far from a talent perspective, from a competitive lens. They were giving Denver the business, thank you, Ben Dreith, for most of the game. But the Warriors know this better than most. The truest version of a team is revealed in crunch time, what Magic Johnson used to call winning time. Right. The end of close games is the closest thing to the intensity of playoff basketball. Those moments are revealing the Warriors to be well below the elite teams of the league. The last time the Warriors were who they thought they were, they dispatched of Denver in five games. It was the start of their 2022 title run. Since then, the Nuggets became the champs, and the Warriors, parenthetically, have become chumps. 0-6 against Denver, five of them close games. The difference between Denver and Golden State, which had been on display for the last six-plus minutes Thursday, was punctuated by the Warriors' final possession, and thus it was a metaphor for the season. And I I read that because it applies. It's written from a Golden State perspective, but it applies to the Nuggets. And I know there are is another gear for the Nuggets to get to and the bench can be better and so on and so forth. But who the Nuggets were in the last six and a half minutes last night is who they are. That's who they are. And Michael Malone played Peyton Watson and sat Michael Porter Jr. for large portions of that. And, and Porter Jr. has not had the issue. That was, that was out of character for him in the last, uh, certainly in this season and most of last season. I don't know what was wrong with him last night, but he did not play hard. Who not play hard. We'll find out, of course, when they, uh, they take it back. And that was the real irony that Porter got get 30 magic. minutes as a starter, mm-hmm. although he wasn't in during much Winning of time, the closing right. I mean, Peyton Watts stretches six of the game. for 10, but, 19 points, five boards, hits a pair of threes. He hit the second most important three when it was 127, 120 yeah. Golden State. And Golden State never scored again. And it, it right. was the first three on a 10 point closing run 
for the Nuggets, 10 unanswered points. They had 13 unanswered points at one uh, one stretch and 25-4 uh, to four in the last 634 of the basketball game. But here's Kaminga, who is telling friends apparently today he's had it with Kerr. They had a meeting last week, I think uh, on Christmas Day, when he, again he disappeared and said after the game, I, I think I can bring a lot, but the man won't play me. What am I supposed to do? 16 points, four rebounds, four assists, just one turnover, plus six. Played 19 Shooting minutes. five for seven. 19 minutes. Kerr's 19 in a weird spot. minutes. And, and, and Kerr. But you're, you know, the, the observation they, they, you made is switching places with Malone is kind of true. He's become Malone from two years Malone, ago. Malone's fine Malone's with trusting Peyton Watson. Yes. Uh, uh, Malone point, has and more Malone confidence. Malone doesn't want to play his young. Malone only wants to play his vets. I mean, pardon me. Kerr only wants to play his vets. No, no, Malone's that, now the guy that plays the youngsters. He, listen, he he played Andrew Wiggins last night. Oh, who is and it? his a- explanation was Andrew Wiggins was fine, uh, but you know what? He was minus fourteen because he was out right. there at the end of, end of the game. Now again, it wasn't on him, um, but you know they've got the ball. And if I if I didn't know that Steve Kerr was the coach of the Golden State Warriors, I I think they were just abominably coached because. On that last play, you've got Curry on the left and Paul guarded by Jokic because they wanted to involve Jokic in some of the screening action. Well, Jokic goes on to Curry, but then Gordon comes over because they got Saric in the game. What's Sarge doing in the game? Well, he's a three-point shooter. Yeah. They didn't need a three. Yeah, they were winning. They need a three. They needed defense. They're winning. Well, they weren't. They were tied. Well, they're tied, yes. But they didn't but, need yeah, a you three. Don't, you don't need a three. They didn't need a three. You need to stop, so why need is Sarge stop the bleeding. in the game? And the one guy who to five cuts, finish. Clay Thompson doesn't cut anymore. Well, no, he, I, I mean, he did a few backdoor deals last night. I, I take that. Back. But it's not. It's but not that's a huge not part really, of his game really his game after the injuries. And, and, right. You know, now he's pretty much a three point spot spot up shooter. Sars, that's all he does is shoot threes. They they gather in the corner together so Gordon can come off right. Sarge. right? And pressure Curry so Curry can't drive on Jokic. Paul's at the top of the key, and in spite of what Shaquille O'Neal kept trying to insist last night, they finally corrected him. Chris Paul is a much better three-point shooter than Andrew Wiggins. 36% to 30% on mm-hmm. threes this year. Right. This year. And I think throughout Paul's career, he's been a better three-point shooter than Wiggins. But that, but Wiggins is the guy in the far corner to whom Curry finally throws the pass that Murray picks off. Murray's the only guy defending on that side of the floor. And Curry throws it right to him. And I will add this about, you know, looked like a poorly coached team at that point. I will also say this about Steph Curry. He is one of my favorite players. I think he has done more in the last 15 years than anybody with a possible exception of Jokic to revolutionize the way we think about the game and yes, think about that's fair. The, the position he plays. There is no question he's the greatest distance shooter in the history of basketball. Uh, no. There's nobody even close. 
he takes shots that would be uh, worthy of getting pulled if they were taken by any other player, and he still takes them, and he still makes them, uh, except if he's playing on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, he doesn't. <laughs> Historically, for some reason, he can't shoot on Christmas Day. But last night, he was hitting his shots and generally played well. But uh, I will say this about Steph Curry. He is a Hall of Famer. He is the best in certain phases of the game, particularly shooting. He is not an all-time great, and I say that meaning if I were player. putting together, and I want to be clear about this. What do you mean he's not an all-time great? All-time great, the Hall of Famer, that's all, all the same thing. My point is, if I were picking an all-time top five or an all-time second five, he would not be close to either list. Okay. The reason, The reason for that, in my view, is that in late game situations, and this is what Chris Paul needs to figure out. Paul was basically the outlet. Mm -hmm. Curry didn't throw him the ball. Paul needed to demand the ball. Hmm. But he just joined the yeah, that's team. A, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting and problem. And demanding the ball from Steph Curry is probably not yeah. something he's yeah, capable of doing do that. right now. But the Steph Curry kryptonite is that he is very, very poor in risk assessment in late-game situations and always has been and always will be. It's too late to coach it out of him. Now, Curry and Paul have no chemistry. Nope. I mean, and that's zero. not a surprise. And you know what Steve Kerr says? Nothing about that, which is obvious to anybody who watches the Warriors. What he says is, well, I can't play Kaminga and Wiggins together because we're minus 66 when they're on the floor together, and that's terrible. And that's an example of metrics run amok and a coach completely misinterpreting the metrics. And also, listen, if it's a choice, what the hell is Wiggins doing in the game? He's having a right. bad year. He's on your bench. You're starting the other guy. But you're trying to appease, which Steve Kerr never did during the Warriors championship run. You're trying to appease Wiggins by giving him starters minutes, even though you're bringing him off the bench. But to assuage his pride and maybe his ego, you're, you're going to give him 27 minutes and play Kaminga 19 on a night where Kaminga is far better. Now, on Christmas Day, maybe you could argue Wiggins was having a good game. Mm -hmm. You leave him in. Last night, what is he doing on the floor? And Curry throws him the ball. It, it, it was just unbelievable. And they got what they deserved. And you can say, uh, Jokic made a lucky shot. Jokic, and I, I'm never sure with Jokic whether he's saying this tongue-in-cheek or not. <laughs> right. But he said from the moment he left his fingers, he knew it was in. And they titted him on the post game. They, they said, well, is the bank open in Serbia? And he said, I don't think so. It's 6 a.m. 
can't survey right now. He said, I don't think the back was open. But he said, Ben, bank it in. I knew it was going in. Bank it in. Go straight in. Well, I knew it was coming 88.6% his last four. So I think I know yeah, it was going in. Definitely got a feel for it. Well, the other thing is you you finish what on a, a 24 5 what run. I don't know what, what momentum the, the Warriors would have carried into overtime <laughs> given that situation. I agree with you. So I'm not sure I how much that say, matters. I was saying, you know, I didn't think he'd make the 40 footer. Right. But I'm saying Denver has. Yeah. If you're the Warriors, you're like, yeah, let's just go hit the showers. No. <laughs> Problem if this goes over. Yeah, time, they were on an absolute. They might win by fifteen. Roll now. They are back home tonight. They will take on the Orlando Magic. And one I will the, be there. I'm one of the more there. interesting teams. Uh, ben Carroll, by the way, forty three points in his last outing. We'll I hope find so. that the Nuggets out. are favored by nine. Two, and back a half, to back with travel. Uh, I we'll think it see. could be a tough game for the Nuggets. But could we be. talked a little bit about the ideas, the similarities right now between Nikola Jokic's in his unparalleled position as the best player in the NBA. Denver also sports the best player in the NHL simultaneously mm-hmm. in Nathan McKinnon. There are some similarities between the two men. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Jokic has it. Clock takes, got to put one up. Jokic for the win. Oh, it's good. Jokic got it off in time. And the Nuggets win it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A seven-footer off the dribble. <laughs> the uh, That's my man, Stan Van Gundy, yeah. uh, with whom I did a show in another radio life um, for a year, year and a half, and I really like Stan. I think he's gotten better and better uh, doing the analysis for uh, TNT. Basically, uh, is he probably number three? They got Reggie. Miller and uh, who's the top team now? Oh, at TNT? At TNT. Well, I mean, it's Kevin Harlan. It's probably Harlan and Miller, isn't it? Yeah. So Stan's number two. Yeah. Stan's number two. And Stan was great last night. But he really uh, appreciates and marvels at Jokic, as as so many of us do. And the, the breadth of things that Jokic is capable of doing on a basketball court including that defensive sequence we were just talking about at the end. Right. Prior to the shot. But again, I want to give Peyton Watson credit because to me, that was the second most important shot behind Jokic's that won the game. And of course it was a tie game and Jokic made that point afterwards. Different. You're not one or two points down. Right. That's a different, that's not a a, tie. There's no risk on that. If it goes, you're in overtime. And as you alluded to, uh, if, you're the Nuggets last night. You feel pretty good about the over. Scored 24 out of the yeah. last 29 points right. in the game. Yeah, exactly. probably feel pretty good. Um, but that the shot that Peyton Watson hit out of the corner, uh, 
you know, I, I don't think he's a great three-point shooter, but, boy, he's around 35 36%. Yeah. I, I feel better, frankly, about Peyton Watson shooting threes than I do about Christian Brown right now shooting threes. And Christian Brown's not doing badly, mm-hmm. but Peyton Watson, it, we talk about this sense of identity that the Nuggets have, and I, I think Jokic gives them that, but I think some of the Calvin Booth guys give them that. I do too. Well, because you brought in guys that are old. For them now, not Watson, of course, but you talk about the draft picks this year. Older, more experienced guys, uh, Christian Brown, same thing. Guys that that are that are grown men when they walk into the league. They're not 18, 19 years old, and I think that brings a different thing. And then they can follow Jokic, who's you know now two MVPs, MV, NBA Final MVP, literally revolutionizing the game of basketball yeah. in real time. I mean, go That's look right. at you know who, who's the most interesting center coming up. I look at uh, Alperen Sengun in um, Houston. Yeah. He's Nikola Jokic light. I mean that's that's oh, sure. that's his game. You I mean almost the, literally from a yeah, physical point. Yeah, you go to the watch the college. I was struck last year, and I'm sure we'll see it even more this March. Last March, watching the the tournament, how many teams and how many players, how many big men are trying to play like Nikola Jokic? Oh, yeah. This is he is revolutionizing. No, he's the game changing the game in changing real game. time, okay. and it's remarkable to see. And, and over on the ice, Nathan McKinnon is not necessarily changing the game the way the game is played. He's tied for the, the league lead in points. He has probably deserved the Hart Trophy for MVP before and didn't get it. This year, it almost feels like it might be undeniable because even though the Avs are talented, McKinnon has put that team on his back a couple times this year. And you pointed out, Sandy, when you talk about Kucherov, who's a minus player, out of the top six scores in the league, and the difference between McKinnon and number seven, JT Miller, is 14 points. McKinnon has the best plus minus of any of them. McKinnon has become arguably, and I I think it's not quite as clear as Jokic is Jokic is changing the sport. I'm not sure Nathan McKinnon has not have become maybe clearly the best player in the NHL this year because all of a sudden the national media seems to be coming around it. And then game after game after game, McKinnon does something like he did last night. You know, comes up clutch, wins a game. It, He's getting that feeling, and I, you know, you hesitate dropping some of these names, but there were certain players in relatively recent history. You think of Yarmir Yager, you think of Alexander Ovechkin in his prime. You, you think of those some of those goal scorers that if if the game is late and that guy's coming down Crosby, the ice, you think Crosby still is doing it. right. You're thinking, uh oh, we're in trouble. I don't think we can stop this guy. Not not even on just this one shift, but. As the periods grind and grind, like, I don't think we can hold him off. I mean, it's, it's like bailing water out of your sinking boat. And at, McKinnon's coming, and, and he's going to get you. And he's become that kind of player. It's remarkable. Remember the uh, game in uh, Lake Tahoe? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yep. Knew it, knew it was happening there because of the skating ability. And he's added a lot of physicality in the last year. He had a chance after scoring the game winner last night to speak with Katie Goss. You get to hear on this program uh, as well, but over at Altitude TV, as Sandy pointed out, McKinnon becoming a little more talkative uh, this season. Here's what he said. Battling a team here for the top of the Central. You get the win in overtime after you come back. What were you saying to the guys you were pumped up after that goal? Um, Yeah, nothing really. I was just excited. OC, I I think, got it. Uh, You know, I thought we played a pretty solid game. This is a really hard team. Um, you know, I thought we did what we needed to do to win it. You know, could have won either way tonight, but overall I thought we, uh, you know, played them a little bit. 
You guys lead the NHL in third period goals. You've got the most comebacks. What is it about this team that has the ability in a third period to turn it on, to not let this game get away from them? Yeah, I guess, you know, we're trying to stay positive. Um, you know, I think that that's the key for us to, to kind of stick with it. You know, when we went all the way a couple years ago and won, uh, we were a really resilient group. And, you know, last year I thought it wasn't as good. And this year we're kind of back to that uh, no quit mentality and it's been paying off. Like you said, this is a good Stars team, this group getting better on the road. How important is a victory like this for confidence? Yeah, I mean, confidence, uh, you know, we're battling for the division. So everything, uh, you know, big road, big road win. We haven't been as good on the road. So, um, you know, everything. There's a lot of reasons, but obviously we, we want to win our division. Thanks, Nate. Congrats on the win. Nice shot. Thank you. There's an interesting similarity, though, when you talk about McKinnon and when you talk about Jokic, because their personalities appear at least on the surface to be different. Jokic sort of the happy warrior. Oh, look, we won again. It's like it's a big surprise, even though he's confident. It's just Yucking kind of it like, up with the TNT right, boys. Oh, it's just another game. basketball game. I just, you know, messed around and got a triple-double a la Ice Cube. Good for him. And, and, and it, there's that relaxing kind of vibe. Whereas McKinnon comes out and skates like he's angry at the ice all night and, and has this kind of grinder mentality. The thing is that... It's just not that simple. You can hear some of the lightness in McKinnon's voice. Does he want to set the tone for his team? He talked about the no-quit mentality. Yes, but McKinnon, after winning the Cup, started to relax and realize, okay, they don't all have to play like I play. They don't all have to be like me to win. So he was able to back off a little bit, but at the same time lose none of that edge in which we've talked about with Florian Chushkin, and now we're seeing with Jonathan Drouin. Look, you want to play on that line? You better put on the big boy pants because Nathan McKinnon's going to expect you to keep up. And that's the best player in the world. And this team, without Gabriel Landeskog, they don't have a, at least you say, a captain who wears a seat. McKinnon, one of the guys with the A's. McKinnon has not been the traditional captain type. It's not who he is. But he's kind of turning into it. That's that's the guy that when you walk into the when you walk into the dressing room. And your younger player, you're like, I want to make him happy. I don't want him to be mad at me. He has that gravitas. And Jokic, despite being so delighted, you walk around the Nuggets locker room, you can tell there's a little bit of the same thing. I want that guy to be happy with me. And Jokic. Sure. And I think a big part of what Jokic brings is that he accepts the guys coming off the bench. And I, I noticed that with Christian Brown, who is a good, careful player, not a mistake player. But particularly with Jokic, I can see Christian Brown looking to be precise. Yeah. When he feeds Jokic, you can for see example, it. you can see it. He focuses more. It's, it's more concentrated. And you see in the way he talked earlier in the remember about Strother, mm-hmm. he says he's got to learn that, Basically, you got other guys. When you, when you're you got hot, four other guys. You got to remember, there's four other guys. Yeah, you know, when you're hot, because eventually you'll miss. But you can, you, you got to realize, even when you're hot, there are four other guys on the floor, which is said in a very gentle it was way. But I I think of game two last year when uh, Malone was going crazy that the Nuggets had blown a game and they did because they weren't. Their hearts weren't into it, and they didn't learn the lessons from game one. And, it, and you know, when Murray was disconsolate, thought he had single-handedly blown the game afterwards in the locker room. And they go to Jokic, and Jokic says, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Mm-hmm. And he said, 
we haven't lost in seven weeks <laughs> on this court. <laughs> we'll be fine. And I think Jokic counseled Malone between games two too. and three. Because by the time I game three started, that Malone looked pretty relaxed and comfortable, not the raving <laughs> borderline lunatic he was after game two. I mean, they lost one game. Right. And I, I know everybody was talking about a sweep after game one, which was also preposterous. They were allowed one bad game, and they had proven themselves on the road. In fact, I thought the Nuggets were in the playoffs last year at least as good on the road as they were uh, on their home floor. And I, I think his demeanor really helps him on the road. And he understands, you know, there are nights when you're down by 20 with six and a half minutes to go. You know you're not coming back. Whether he's on the floor right. or not, you know you're not coming back. Last night, there was something, and Jokic is a very astute observer of the basketball scene. And you don't think he senses, or more than senses, he knows, he knows, knows when a game is still Golden in play. State blows games like that all the yeah, time. That game's still in play. He they, senses they've it. done it four other times this year. How about this? The Warriors have won without Steph Curry scoring 30 only twice. And he scored 30 last night. They've lost. lost four times when he still had 30 or yeah. more. I mean, it's it, that is as close. You recognize the names because they're the Warriors. That is as close to a one-man team in effect as there is among teams that are considered to be playoff contenders in the NBA. You know, and I'm not. The Nuggets aren't at that way. I'm not sure that their second-best player isn't Kaminga. And I, I, maybe I'm getting carried away, and I'm not saying Kaminga's an all-star or anything close. But especially with Green out, I don't think Clay Thompson is that gay anymore. Chris Paul at one time might have been that guy playing with Golden State, but he isn't anymore. It isn't Looney. It, no. it, 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 it's not anybody off the bench, although uh, uh, the Podjimski kid, mm -hmm. it, he, he can play. He can play for me. He can play. I mean, he's he, he is a hard-nosed player. And even Sarge, for what he does, sure. I thought he had a pretty a nice, actually had a pretty nice right. game last night. Played a little more than he should. He played 23 minutes and Kaminga played 19. Uh, but, you know, that's a coaching thing. Kaminga, I think, is the second best player. So, to your point, I agree with you. If if Curry doesn't put the cape on. They lose. Which he tried to do last night. Yep. They lose. They lose. That's, and even when he simple. does put the cape they on, and he's having a good night. Don't always get it. They're so dependent on him that he's playing one-on-three yeah. late in the game. He's got Caldwell Pope, who is an all-star level defender. He's all NBA uh, first team on defense, don't you think? Yeah, I think oh, he's that, that caliber First guy. or second team. Sure. He's really close, and Especially he gets Curry ball. fits. So on on that particular sequence late in the game, there was Jokic, there was Gordon coming over from the corner because Saric and Thompson were just standing there, not moving. And then th there was Contavious Caldwell Pope. So he's playing one on three. And the the only other guy in the play turned out to be Murray, who was the only guy on the other side of the court who picked off the cross-court pass. It, it was just but people like this is why their starting five is good because you, you've got a blend 
of guys who, you know, Gordon's a better defensive player than he is an offensive player, but last night he scores 30. Uh, Murray is a better offensive player, but, you know, even he, he wouldn't foul trouble. He's out there at the end of the game. He's a big factor. Well, the Nuggets take on the Magic tonight. If you see Sandy Clough, make sure to say hi. I want to remind you, by the way, that, that you know, 90% of a realtor's business He's comes sitting from... in the front row. Yeah, Bob, you Referrals. So, you know, because this is my referral for our friends, David and Mark at Key Real Estate Groups, Colorado Luxury Home Team. The, the market here, of course, has just been crazy for years. And so you want someone who knows the market, knows how to ride the highs and lows. That's why David and Mark are the right guys. They're Key Real Estate Groups, privately held company. It's over 25 years in the same offices. They've been stable in an unstable real estate world. And the idea is times when you're thinking of, of selling your home, remember, inventory is low around the metro area. So homes that are priced right still sell really fast. So let David Mark give you a free valuation. And, and you've, you've heard it before when you're selling. They'll say, well, wait till the spring to put your home up for sale. To avoid the cold winter months, there'll be more buyers. But guess what that means? The buyers in the winter months tend to be more serious. They're looking to buy and looking to buy now. So there's no reason to wait until the spring. Your property is worth it. Call, to, call our friends Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. Uh, it's luxury not because you have to have a luxury home. It's the service that you get. And whether it's a condo or a castle, Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group are the ones to call. Call them today, 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST. Or check them out at thekeyrealestategroup.com. When we come back, predictions for the Denver Broncos' final game of the season Want yours as well, by the way. 303-831-1340. Win? Loss? Does it matter? Just happy to end of the season? You just worried about Bo Nix or Michael Penix? Let us know. We're going to talk about it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back on the final football Friday of the Denver Broncos 2023 season. The Broncos have a chance to finish second in the AFC West where they would miss the playoffs or they might finish third in the AFC West where they will miss the playoffs. The injury report for the Raiders, the most notable player out, running back Josh Jacobs, not a... uh, Bad sign for the Broncos as Jacobs has excelled during uh, his time in the NFL against the Broncos. Uh, there was tight end a time Michael Mayer also out. When I wondered why he didn't play that way against everybody else mm-hmm. until last year then when he, he did. did play that way against everybody. But he has been hurt, is not coming back for this one. That makes sense for the Raiders who understand they're not well, playing for anything uh, either. Obviously, uh, Chris Manhurst, tight end for the Broncos, and Mike McGlinchey with the rib injury that's been lingering, both out as well. Presumably Cam Fleming going to get the start. And he will be tasked with um, holding off Max Crosby. Yeah. Good luck. Have fun with that. So for the Broncos in this game, the talk will be about the idea of winning and finishing with a winning record of 9-8. and eight. It will also be another game in which you look at Stidham. And presumably, since he's on the roster with a $7 million pay next year, He's going to get the first crack at it because moving along from Russell Wilson has legitimate cap hits. It's, it's funny because I, I get it. You can manipulate the cap. You can. 
We've seen big dead cap money hits hit before. And the Broncos could split Wilson's up over two years and not have the biggest one ever, but they would have two of the biggest ever in sequential years, so maybe that's not the best plan. Or they could just have a massive one next year. Like all $85 million. Right, and then, then work around it. But for fans that are thinking, well, let's look at the free agents and let's look at see if they're, well, they're, they're not going free agent shopping for starters. They can't afford it. They can't afford it. And it's not, I get it. Ownership is wealthy. The ownership has money. But it's still a salary cap league. Right. And you're only right. allowed to spend and so much. And they overspent for McGlinchey and Powers. Mm-hmm. And that affects it. That affects too. it, too. And you have to deal with Garrett uh, Bowles is back with the $20 million yeah. deal yeah. next year. I, and I, Quite frankly, I don't know how you move I, away from I, him. I didn't read it, but I came across something today. I think it was on the athletic site. But it, it was Garrett. Maybe it was ESPN. ESPN. Yeah, Seth it was Walder. Garrett Bowles snub. They suggested the that he should have made Are the Pro Bowl kidding? as a starter. I guess they only watched the Cleveland game when he did play well against Miles Garrett. But they didn't watch the other 15 games the Broncos have played so far. Yeah, they did suggest that uh, that he would have been, that he was one of the snubs. And in the book of Seth Walter at ESPN suggested that Garrett Bowles should have been a, a Pro Bowl starter. Uh, obviously, Is the Broncos he have... Kidding? Yeah, he was not kidding. No, he was totally, 100%, absolutely serious. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, they do have three Pro Bowlers, obviously. We're talking about Justin Simmons. Well, I assume... Pat Sertan and think Marvin Harris is a Pro Bowler. Seth Welder with you. He did so, not. so 40%, he did not think Minus was no. a pro bowler. Only, but bo- only, only Bowles, Bowles was considered a, but for the Broncos that is he, a he, snub. He, see, this is the advantage the Broncos have, as bad as they are. We mentioned earlier they are still treated on a national basis with a degree of respect that they don't deserve based on their play and their behavior, yes. frankly, over the last eight years. They do not deserve that kind here's, of respect. Here's the argument. But, but. But that, that Bowles is the perfect let me read, example let me read you what where Seth somebody wrote. with a straight face yeah. who obviously hasn't watched the Broncos this year is saying that Bowles is their best offense. Because you'll, you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this. So they suggested that Garrett Bowles should have replaced Teron Armstead of the Dolphins as a start. That was the, the argument, which I'm not sure if you've watched the two offenses all year, but they are somewhat different in production. But anyway, here's what Walter wrote. Bulls ranks 10th in plus pass block win rate and 11th in run block win rate. Notably, he played well against potential defensive player of the year candidate Miles Garrett, too. Saw that game, at least. Well, My issue with Armstead is about playing time. He only played nine games this season and played 100% of the snaps in three games. So I have a hard time seeing that how that results in a Pro Bowl selection. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Arm, okay. He's a better player. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's a better, yeah, he's a better player. He's a better player. Uh, but, you know, you need... And one team's in the playoffs. Armstead's teams in the playoffs. But for Stidham, this is a um, this is a re- I looked at this. He says Stidham. it isn't an audition. Of course it is. But of course it's an audition. Now he's going to And it's not ba- just for the Broncos. No. It's for other teams in the league to look at him and say he's almost maybe that guy be could backup. be a pretty good backup. Well, he's going to be the backup for the Broncos at bare minimum with a $7 million deal next year. But what we know about Sean Payton now is whatever his system is, it's not particularly likely to be tweaked. Whether Peyton could do it or maybe can't do it, I don't know. But he's probably not going to do it. And so when you look at the quarterbacks around the league, they're going to be available. You know, I've had I've had people text me like, what about Gardner Minshew? I'm like, yeah. Gardner yeah, Minshew probably succeeds, be available. Uh, and he succeeds on what? Off-schedule plays. You know what? Sean, here's, here's the trick, yeah. folks. We'll yeah. make it very simple. Sean Payton does not like off-schedule plays. He likes on-schedule plays. 
Okay. He's the only, he's the John well, Elway thing. Any There's offense, no plan B. He's going plan A. Any, and he doesn't want your quarterback to change it at the line. And he, he wants to run the play that you told him to play. That is so hard to learn is not going to be suitable for most quarterbacks, stylistically, intellectually. You had a unicorn type in Drew Brees. And he and Peyton fit together. Sure. Great. They were phenomenal. Perfect. But if Peyton thinks another Drew Brees is coming along, <laughs> or if you're Gardner Minshew or you're, I, mean, I guess Jameis Winston would be a different story, but if yeah. uh, Jacoby Brissett, let's Watch say. Jameis okay. Winston's name here okay. in Denver, and by the way. Never played, you've never played for Sean Peyton. This ain't the place for you. Whether you want to be a starter or a backup, it ain't the place for you. You're better off Minshew and Brissett both, who presumably both want to start. Both have started games this year. They're two of the 67 quarterbacks who started games this year in the NFL. If you want to start, or even if you want to back up, you don't want to come here. Right. The offense is hard to learn, and the coach is as rigid as they come. Right. And, and that's why I, I, I so keep an eye on Jameis Winston because you're going to have to look for discounted guys. Winston has run the offense, and I suspect you might you may very well see Winston and Stidham competing for the could be quarterback spot sure. next year. Could be. And if you look at that and think that makes the Broncos a playoff team, that's the problem. Um, they could go 9-8 and eight if they win this game. They are underdogs. Vegas is favored by three at home. They're basically just slightly given a bit of an edge because they're at home. And the That's game doesn't it. matter, right? So when you know, it's hard. It's hard to tell who's heavily invested in in that win. Especially well, as we pointed out earlier, with, in in many of the metrics, these two teams are rated side by side, right? Either the Broncos are slightly ahead or the Raiders are slightly ahead. It doesn't make much difference, but they're basically keeping the same sort of company. The lower portion of the third tier of the NFL, again, dividing the 32 teams into four 18 tiers, the Broncos and Raiders are at the bottom of the third tier. They're probably not a lower quarter team uh, anymore than the Raiders are. Uh, the Chargers, strangely enough, it showed you how badly the Chargers were coached and really how badly some of their supposedly proven players played this year. But the Chargers are kind of middle of the pack in a lot of the efficiency rankings. They have great special teams, finally, because they got a kicker although he missed one the other day. Right. Who is it, uh, Dick or the kicker? That's right. Right? Best, He's missed best like two or three all year. social video of all time. Yeah. Phenomenal. Right. But uh, think, think about this, too. Of course, it will be the, it will be the last uh, game for Russell Wilson in a Denver Broncos it uniform. Will it will be. And one of the places that it makes sense he lands if Antonio Pierce stays okay. might be. very well be. be Vegas. Could be. It will be fascinating. The Broncos QB carousel is underway already. Can Jared Stidham make some sort of a statement? It, to, How to about Pierce I don't know. keeping his job in part because he beats Peyton in the last game and then taking Wilson and throwing Wilson back uh-huh. in Peyton's face next year hey. as the Raiders continue to beat the Browns? I'm all for classic rivalries. I'm rooting for the Raiders. Bring it back. What do you think happens? 16-9. to 9, That's a familiar score from last week. Yep. I'll just flip it and make it Raiders 16. So you Broncos don't think the Broncos get into the end zone no, even three once? field goals. Wow. Uh, three field goals. I actually have the Raiders winning this game as well. I do think the Broncos will get into the end zone, but, yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, I don't know. It's not going to be good. I, 
maybe one of these teams makes it to 20. I guess the Raiders could make it to 20. But uh, I, I agree. I think the Broncos, uh, I didn't see anything from Stidham that made me think he was any better than an average NFL backup. Yeah. And we're That's talking about a guy that I'm not, I'm not tearing him down, but here's the facts. That's who he's always been. This is his fifth season, and he's his third team, and he's this will be his third career, or sorry, fourth career start. Right. Two with the Raiders, two with the in Broncos. A, not a quarterback needy league, a quarterback desperate league. And if you've been in the league for five years and you've cobbled together three starts, I'm not really sure the headroom is uh, Drew Brees Jr., put it that way. I, I, I don't think the cameras can pick this up. But before <laughs> we're done real quick, look at this picture. Right. Tell me who is the power figure in this photo. Oh, yeah. Sean uh, Payton. Payton and Joseph. Right. And who, just look at his expression. Yep. Please don't be mad at me, coach. Is pretty much the Broncos rule. Please, the boss. We will find out. It will be Sean Payton's show, not only on Sunday, but really, it starts in earnest immediately afterwards. Right. So Sean Payton will really start dictating what the Denver Broncos look like. Been fun talking with you today about it. We'll get back with you, of course, on Monday after the Broncos and the Raiders. Broncos will finish their season one way or another. So whether you listen to us on FM, HD, MyLifeSports.com with those cameras or the app, which also has those cameras, get it all easy in your pocket. We appreciate it. Thanks to Danny Bailey, who makes everything work. We're going to clear away for the weekend, but you don't have to go anywhere. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Jurotar, and this is My Life Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. I saw the fire in your eyes